Hello, and welcome to Self-Sabotaging Sagas. I am your host and unconscious mind expert, Jenea Barnes. Hello, hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of Self-Sabotaging Sagas. I am here with one of my favorite former clients. She is a badass woman, and we did a bunch of work a long time ago, and then we did some other work, a little bit new, a little bit different, because I've been going deep and really creating major, major shifts with people, and so we did some work recently that shifted everything, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the benefits of pooling the problem out by the root and yeah we'll dig into that so maybe caddy do you want to share in our earlier work sort of what was the experience of how things shifted for you as we kind of we were kind of like weeding through the stuff right the problems that you know we all like each one of us we think we know what our problem is right we're like oh i have this problem, I can't do this, or I'm terrible at this. And so that's kind of how we started our work way back when. Yeah. And uh, yeah, share a little bit about that part of the work that we did together. Well, that was like, you know, laser targeting, right? Like how they do surgeries now. They come in with like a microscopic tool and they laser focus right in on a singular point. And a lot of times um, that was coming out of conflict, right? conflict I was having with other people, conflict I was having with myself, places I would get stuck. And we would hone in on like, okay, let's find the exact little spot to put the laser in and do the work right at that point. And it would work, right? Every single time there would be a relief, a release to it. Um, There would be space for understanding and seeing the bigger it was like you know kind of pulling up and away from it being able to see the big picture you know that's what they always say when you've got problems try to pull pull your self out feel your feelings one of my big sticking points in life to feel them Mm -hmm. while it's happening and so in those tracks those the tracks about that person or that job or that event or something i've been trying to detangle in my own psyche for years or decades or a lifetime, you know, Um, and it would work on that piece. And I guess it felt like at the time there were some logical places that where other things would mimic the same. And I would go, oh, I can use this thing on that thing. But it was very like singular. It was almost like a, d- a database that you had to build, which it had singular events. Um, I don't know. Does that answer the question? I feel like that made sense, but did it make sense? Well, I know when I, because I, of course, do the work on myself every time. And it's really hard when you're. I mean, we're, this happens to each and every one of us. We're inside of our problem. So sometimes it's hard to see where it's really coming from. And you, we've all had that experience where our friend is talking to us and you're just like, you want to shake them. You're like, all you need to do is just stop doing this one thing and it'll be fine. But the person's like, ah, right. and so for me, of course, I have a similar thing when I'm inside my own problem. I do have maybe a little more training, a little more training, I have a lot more training. So I might be able to actually pinpoint some of the real stuff that needs to be cleared faster than some people, but I still have that problem. And I know for me back, you know, before, like when we, we were first starting our work back then, even for myself, it'd be like, oh, I was annoyed by this person. So that's a trigger I need to heal. Okay. Let me, clear that out. And oh, this thing, this thing is like bothering me. And it's, I think it's creating a problem. So let me just clear that out of my unconscious, reprogram it, clear it out. So keep clearing, keep clearing, right. keep clearing. And some of the problems still existed. There was definitely a marked shift and a marked big sigh of relief for sure. And there was still like, 
I'm like, I'm not quite getting right where I want to go yet. Well, and it's it like, I, I see like a line queuing up for a ride. Like you would clear one off, they let it go on the roller coaster ride and clear it out and it would leave. But then there would be another person in line or another character, another event that had a similar, um, this, there was a repetition to it which that was the word that popped up while you were talking, you know, the repetition of traumas, right? We, we will keep repeating the, the locked in stuff, the locked in pieces until we find a way out of the maze. Right. right. Um, and so, I mean, listen, the name of your company is elevate, right? So leveling up is a thing, right? Yeah. And so those were, in like a single player fantasy video game. You know, I took out the big goblin in this section, but then the next, you know, maze came along. And um, those all felt like very singular battles and nameable, right? It was this person, this thing, this event at this time, based on this, the more work we did, the easier it was to recognize, you know, I like to call it something sticky. Um, <laughs> right. You know, I'm still bartending right now. And there's a point where you're like working and you're having a, you know, like everything's going and you put your drink down at the bar, you pick something up. And as you touch the bar, it's like, there's this stickiness to it. Mm -hmm. And I will stop the world to make that go away, you know? Um, but the more airspace, the more peace and quiet there is, the less conflict and tension and manic behavior or depressive behavior I'm going through, the easier it is to find those sticky points. But I felt like I was on a hunt, an Easter egg hunt for sticky things. Right. Right. And I had to yes. stay on point, paying attention, looking for them, healing them, moving on, figuring out where, why they were patterned or because sometimes it's a pattern you think is together, but it's really two different problems or different things that require different work when you're well, taking one at a time. Yeah. And what I really notice, and I'm reminded of, and I think I wrote about it in the copy for this about quitting smoking, right? Yep. When I quit smoking, I, I, I got rid of the behavior. Great. And my unconscious mind was always wanted connection. It was always trying to seek some way of connection, but I had all these unconscious things that were also keeping a a thing of, of like keeping people at arm's length. We were, you know, some of you know, I used to bartend as well. And I was noticing when I'm sitting at a bar now, I'm like, oh man, how horrible is it to try to connect to people when you have this big old bar in front of you? But that for me back then made it so safe because I desperately wanted to connect to people and yet I also couldn't really handle having them close. So right. smoking for me was a really great way. You know, I have like five minutes of connection and, you know, you're done with your cigarette. So you have that place to walk away. So it was right. really good for me. And when I lost my voice for 10 days because of smoking, because I was always sick when I was smoking, which is why I spent eight years quitting, that my unconscious mind was like, Phew! okay, we can't get connection if she can't talk. So we're done with this. Yeah. And that's how, and change happens like that in an instance when your, when your unconscious mind gets it, it's just done with it. It's done. The pro yeah. yeah. And the problem is, is I look back, I'm like, oh, you know, that sure as hell coincided with the time I definitely like did an uptake on the drinking because drinking was another one of my connection crutches. So here's the, the here's the, I mean, great. I quit smoking. That is a big win. Yeah. But I did not solve the problem. The problem was that I was trying to get connection also while still trying to stay disconnected. Right. And so when we eliminate one behavior, we, maybe that we train and reprogram the unconscious mind to be like, hey, this behavior is not going to get you what you want your unconscious mind might lean into other behaviors that it's trying to get that same thing, yep. or it might come up with a whole new behavior. We all have heard about dry drunks, right? Dry drunks, I was just thinking that. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so they like a dry drunk, basically they stopped the drinking, but they're still a total jerk. They still act like they did when they were drunk. They maybe do other things. Maybe they just zone out and watch TV and don't interact at all. Maybe they shut down even more socially because you haven't gotten the root cause of what was causing the drinking in the first place. In the first place, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so this last round of work that we did and what I'm doing a lot with my clients now, it's so good because we dig deep. We definitely dig deep to uncover the patterns, to figure out what the root of the problem behavior is. So for me and the smoking and drinking thing, like, I don't, I go out and I have a couple of drinks. I had three drinks the other day and I'm like, oh, it's too many. <laughs> Two max. Yeah, but, yeah. And even then I'm like, oh, um, but it's because I don't need it to connect anymore. And there were other reasons my unconscious mind used drinking. I didn't like to feel my feelings. There were so many levels, but yeah, <laughs> but you know, I've done the work now and for, I guess that's been in the past year that I've really gotten to the root cause of those connection things and been able to pull them out. And one of my experiences is that you go outside the next day after doing the work. And I don't know if any of y'all out there Caddy, I know you're going to relate to this and you can share your experience too. You go outside and you look around and it's almost like if any of y'all have taken mushrooms or psychedelics, when you just start to sort of see something different, it seems like the world is a little brighter and a little bigger, a little like there's more out there to see and experience. And so that was a big, every time I would do one of these like root cause shifts, right, right. the whole world would look different. It would domino and create something different. And so you and I did some big work and we got to two major root causes and we reintegrated that stuff into back into the whole. Do you like to share what um, what we what we discovered were the root cause of so many of the different yeah. things? Um, I don't know. That feels like a precious little gem to me. I don't know how deep okay. I want to get the exact of it, but yeah. um. Uh, it's like I have so many thoughts kind of running in at the same time on this because it's such a big difference. So for me, the experience was, you know, it's funny because I just came down back from a week at the beach with my family and I got up every morning and I did Tai Chi at the sea. I was in the Gulf of Mexico and uh, some mornings it was, you know, uh, clouds with bursts of all the colors of the world and the ocean, the reflection and the seagulls and the sandpipers. And one day it was the, it was foggy and you could barely see, you know, a hundred yards down the beach. And that was the coolest looking day, but it was also the other day was the coolest day. And then the third day was the coolest day. And I kept saying out loud, Janaya, I was like, it's like, it's in 3d. And I know it's in 3d cause I'm there. Right. <laughs> Not looking at but also I think this land of living in zoom, you know, we got to see each other last night and it was like, so we're like, you're a live person, you know, it was, yeah. you know, it's, but that's a secondary piece of it because that, that crack in all of a sudden, instead of trying to actively look for the sticky Easter eggs, right? actively looking for the things that are still jamming you up, actively trying to sort out where the problems are and how to integrate them so that you can live in freedom and health and calm and peace and joy and love and oneness, right? Um, and maybe that sounded like a hippy dippy paragraph, but you can live in these things even when life is slapping you upside the head with some tough stuff. Doesn't take away tough stuff. 
takes away your ability to cope with it, to manage your feelings, to still stay present with your relationships that you have. And what I discovered with the, the, the root cause work, once we did that, the first one was a big shift. The second one was like, opening up a whole new universe that had always existed. And I could see it out there. It was like through a, a filter of mesh or something, you know, like a gauze filter around me. And it was like that gauze had just been removed. And um, I didn't have to look for sticky things anymore. First, let's just put this out there and upfront. By doing this work, and this is the point of us having this talk right now, is to dig into the, the 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 fact basis that by pulling a root cause issue out and working on it and integrating it and releasing that trauma and embracing i don't even know what words you want to use integration <laughs> to coalesce it and bring it in as a gift into your life you get all the lessons from what you learn from it but you don't have to do any of the destructive behavior anymore it's not sticky it's clean right. it's unimaginable in the moment of that work being done i'm gonna might cry how widespread the effect of good is on your life mm. there are pieces you couldn't have imagined they're so small and they're little blips on the radar how you react to someone in traffic how mm. you react to someone cutting you off in line at the grocery store how you react to I don't know, name an innumerable amount of things that would frustrate you, get you riled up, um, someone coming at you with something. And there are times now where I just go, huh, they must be having a bad day. And I don't know them, they're strangers. And yeah. um, it's not me excusing their behavior or like try, even trying, I'm not even thinking about it. They just, they act out and I go, oh, you're having a bad day. And I keep on moving about my life. Sometimes I do something nice right then and engage with them. And sometimes that helps diffuse. And sometimes people share very quickly what that bad thing is. And I'm like, sometimes it's a heavy load. Like my dog it happened at the bar two weeks ago. A couple came in and they were being kind of uh, rude and a little snippy. And normally I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to ignore you rude and snippy people. No more beers for you. You'll get them <laughs> when I don't think you deserve them. And you better act nicer or you're not getting them. Inner monologue. And uh, the man and the couple went to the bathroom and she spun to me at the bar and was like, kind of leaned over and was like, we just had to put his dog to sleep. And I was like, whoa, the whole thing made sense. They were in a grief. They literally just come from the vet. So we held space for them and we raised a glass uh, to that little pupper dupper and um, she showed a bunch of pictures and we talked about it, but we grieved it like we would a father or a mother or a friend because that's the place they were in their hearts. Um, but I missed a lot of that stuff because I was busy wrapped up in my own anxiety and my own rage and my own fear. Um, yeah. I not, I am palpably not afraid of things I used to be afraid of. Can you share, is there one thing you can think of that you used to be afraid of that you're not afraid of at all anymore? In Florida, I got on a fishing boat and went oh, out into, yeah. the ocean. into the middle of the ocean into the middle of the ocean in a fishing boat. I mean, you know, they knew what they were doing and whatever, but normally as I stepped off the dock and onto the boat, I was like, okay, if we're gonna die, how is it gonna happen? Well, we might run into a desert island, a, a whale might knock us over, he might wreck the ship, I don't know, I might get caught in a fishing line, maybe a hook is gonna fly, we were fishing, we we're catch and release fishing people, just so you know. Um, but normally I would be a ball of anxiety cutting up to the dock and at certainly as one foot left land and went onto a boat with men. I don't know. Somebody hired them to drive us out into the middle of the ocean. What if they are crazy people and want to kill us all? Like there was a lot of stuff to be scared of on a boat in the middle of the ocean. I've never been on that boat. In the, well, I went on whatever. I don't do boats in the middle of the ocean. I do boats on rivers, water, lake, you know, but not the ocean. And so that was a big deal. And I just did honestly hadn't thought about it till we're talking right now. I and wasn't so, afraid if fish showed up and I was like holding it on the pole. I'm like, hey, fisherman guy who does the hook things, could you get this fish off the hook? Because I'm not touching that. You know? <laughs> right. But no so fear. did you no fear. No fear. 
Yeah. Nope. And that's a I big one. I mean, that, votes until we're having this conversation right now. That's funny. There's, you know, there are people that say, and like people that study of course of miracles, it's like, there's only fear and there's only love. There's like those two things and everything in between is like some uh, filtration of it. Yeah. But yeah. it's interesting. You talk about how you were stepping in the past, you would step on the boat and you would run through all of the things that you don't want to happen. And I think, uh, you know, we've shared some conversations about this. The one of the things that keeps us small, that keeps us in our little personal mm -hmm. prison, if you will, is this worrying and constantly thinking about the things that we don't want to happen. And one of the things that in this root cause work that I've been doing is the I'm doing a lot of parts work and I'm doing it a little differently than I used to do parts work. And what happens with a part, you know, you always hear maybe yourself or a friend say, a part of me really doesn't want to go to the store <laughs> or a part of me wants to go to Barbados and leave it all behind. And the other part of me wants to build a business. And so most of these parts are born from significant emotional events. And what's happening in those moments is you have this spike of overwhelm of emotion. And usually there's some semblance of cocktail of fear in there. Now, the fear might be that, you know, my parent doesn't love me or whatever it might be, but there's some little bit of cocktail of fear in there and it anchors into your nervous system, this state of fight, flight, freeze. Right. And when you're in that state of fight, flight, freeze, you can only see what you don't want to happen. That's yeah. it. You're, and it sticks you in that so anytime a circumstance looks anything similar to that first event that created that spike of emotion that anchored into your nervous system you are stuck literally in survival mode you're like oh my god i don't want the person to kill me i don't want this i don't want that i don't want don't want don't want i don't want to be out on the street if i don't pay rent and blah 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 all of these things you notice how even talking about it i get like really contracted yeah really contracted mm -hmm. um and what this what this work does is it brings you to that place of neutral where you're okay that's the first thing is we get you to this place of neutral where you're okay. Yep. And once your nervous system knows that you're okay, then you can start to see what's possible. Right. So stepping on the boat, you can see like, this is going to be, could be a really fun I want to lock in that word. I want to lock in that word. Cause I think that that is an, I've, I told you even about having this talk today. I was a little concerned because verbalizing this, work, its results, how we got there, what it felt like. It's very hard to verbalize it because mm -hmm. it's deep, it's all encompassing and it like belongs in poetry in a song, but mm -hmm. neutralize, yeah. neutralize, to neutralize your anger. It neutralizes your anxiety. It neutralizes panic. It neutralizes frustration. It neutralizes patience becomes expansive mm -hmm. uh, empathy understanding and compassion expansive mm -hmm. um love expansive it's not dangerous to love something like simplification like maybe i love them and they don't love me back the way i love them and then what is it that mirror effect doesn't yeah. matter i will love you like i love you yeah. Period. I'm going to love you like I love you. I hope that's enough. And it takes away expectations diminish your your yeah. need diminish. It's literally from the high the highest of high feelings. It's funny in college I came up with this theory in the middle of the night once uh called the equilateral theory of life where here was purest boredom, 100% boredom. I that's how I languaged it at the time. And over here was pure excitement and over here was pure uh worst thing that could happen grief right the worst the worst was on this side the best was on this side mm 
And in any situation for as good as it could be is as bad as it could be. And some people want a life that stays really close to boredom and they hang on tight mm -hmm. to like try to keep things safe. And other people mm -hmm. jump out of planes <laughs> and risk, risk it all and go from one extreme to the other and, and kind of have no boundaries about where, you know, finding the middle ground. They want to press boundaries. And I'm a little right. bit of a, I'm a little bit of both. I like it to be safe, but I also want to test the boundaries. So that caused a lot of conflict, internal conflict for me in my life. Right. And uh, it, I would say the big root cause work, I, you know me, I keep seeing it as a carrot in the ground. When you yank the carrot out, <laughs> right? The carrot, whoop, it's been harvested. Um, it neutralized. It neutralized a lot. And what that's given me is the space to think about new things, the time and space to be creative in ways, um, the time and space to take care of myself with my food prep and my gym schedule and my room and whatever I'm working on now, there's an ease to it that was unimaginable before. And I want to tie yeah. it back to one other thing. I lived in a, um, because of misdiagnosis for many years, after 9-11, I lived in panic attacks. And by that, I don't mean anxiety attacks. I mean, I do mean anxiety attacks because that's where they start. But as far as I'm concerned, anxiety is here, panic is here. But I lived in the hand sweaty, passing out version of that condition for a very long time. Um, and I did a lot of work specifically targeted at overcoming that and uh some of that was emdr work and um and it worked and i came out i'm not medicated i don't even have to do like my like breathing things anymore i haven't i came close to a panic attack about a year ago and i was like wow that's weird where'd that come from but the loop of that specifically is that it's not even conscious thought process programming of this is the same so therefore i should be worried um, as you know, one of my conditions was triggered by the blue fluorescent lighting on the subway cars because mm -hmm. I was after that. And um, uh, then when I got around that color of fluorescent lighting, I would have a panic attack. But I was in a safe place. I was in Walmart or whatever, like wherever I was. Right. If kind of light came on, my body was like, 911, we're all going to die. And. Right. Um, so I did specific targeted work towards that and I overcame it. And then I'll add right now to a degree because mm. I had no idea that because of other circumstances in my life and other fear-based things, there were a lot of those background programs running and they, they've been all neutralized. Mm. That's why I could step onto a fishing boat and not be concerned for my safety. I had a great time and connected in and a dolphin came by and hung out with us mm. out of the boat. Nice. Perfect little picture of him coming out of the water. There's a sun dapple streamed right behind him. It was like, yeah, you know, and if I had been freaking out, you know, in the cabin of the boat going, oh, I wouldn't have even, I, there was, I, I missed a lot in my life because I couldn't stay present because I was right. too, freaked out. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, we talk about, and I know a lot of people have had great success with EMDR. I remember when I first was learning about it, like, oh, I want to learn how to do that. And then, but you have to be a licensed psychiatrist or psychologist like, to yeah. learn it. And so I was like, well, there's got to be something else that i can do with the work that I'm doing. And that's one of the things that was really important to me when I started diving into coaching. <coughs> Excuse me, hold on. <coughs> when I started diving into coaching is I had so much trauma in my life. I wanted to be able to heal trauma. It was very important to me to be able to bring people to the other side of that because I had been brought to the other side of that. And, you know, the work continues for sure. But because I have had so much freedom, it became so important. So I started studying the things that worked that I did that worked. And I did all the things I did 
combo. I did shamanic healings. I did 10 years of therapy. I did ayahuasca ceremonies. And the pieces that worked all shifted the unconscious mind on some level or another. But the thing about the work that I do is you can direct it. So like if you sit a ayahuasca ceremony or something, you're not choosing like we're going to get to the root cause and clear out the boundary issues or whatever it might be for you. Yeah. You just, you just trust. Yeah. Trust and go. You you trust and go and some stuff will clear up. You'll have some epiphanies. It'll have some things happen, but I wanted to be able to target to be able to make people's lives easier. And so doing that, it really, one of the things that's so powerful and different than say EMDR is that instead of working on each specific traumatic moment, we tend to repeat traumatic moments over and over. They make these anchors in our neurology stronger, but the work I'm doing with people is clearing out all of them that's associated in that particular way. So if the root cause of your boundary issues has something to do with Uh, Let me make up something here that could be, in theory, a cause of boundary issues. Because maybe you were afraid somebody wouldn't like you or that your parents wouldn't love you or somebody wouldn't love you if you drew that hard line. And this is what is really happening with the work that I'm getting to the root cause is it's getting down to super duper really big, huge survival issues, because most of these things get anchored into our neurology when we're little, right? when we don't have the emotional capacity to handle big things. We don't understand what's going on. Why is mom not paying attention to me? She must not love me. I must now bend and contort my behavior to make her love me. Because here's the thing. There's a reason why we have the chemical oxytocin. They call it the love chemical, the love brain neuropeptide chemical. The reason is because we cannot survive as little babies on our own. We need somebody to provide for us. And that means that if nobody loves us... Yeah. Who would want to take care of us? So that need for that love is a survival need that we know instinctually when we're babies, when we are toddlers. And if we think we are not getting loved, we there is this underlying program that's happening that thinks that we potentially could be thrown out that we might be left behind. And if we're left behind, we're going to die. Your unconscious mind, it's number one, number one priority is to preserve the body. Right. So your little mind instinctually or whatever is going to do whatever it takes to make sure that you are not thrown out and left to fend for yourself at one year old, two years old, three years old. And when you discover something that works, like maybe you're a little comedian and you're like, oh, and everybody pays attention to you. You love you. So you, your little brain, you're, you know, when I say little, when you're a little kid, it's like, oh, people like me and they get attention and I get attention when I'm funny. So I'm going to keep putting... Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to keep being funny. And this stuff happens so much when we're little that we don't really understand. This is the programming that's still happening and running the show when we're adults. We're running. Lots of us are running outdated programs. Well, and I want to add in there. Yeah. I just want to add into it that it so gets um, really locked in as you hit your peer groups and hit your puberty area era and your parents become less of an influence on you directly and the peers around you and your teachers and your, your community have, um, have a lot more influence even than what's happening at home. And they lock in, Oh, this lesson, 
you thought you had it right. No, you need to completely shift it to something usually worse <laughs> for you, right, to try to survive. Um, and then you, as the world expands around you and you get out and you see more things and you get a car and you can go different places into different towns and you travel and meet people and do things and go to college, the world just keeps getting bigger, but the rules just get more complicated. And then you try to adapt what worked in Colonial Heights, Virginia in 1973, wasn't going to work at Longwood College in 1987. And I'll tell you what, people, it sure is heck didn't work in New York City in 1999. You know, like, right. so I just kept trying to uh, make what I thought worked work. And by the way, right. none of it was working for me because it wasn't right. my flow. It wasn't my voice. It wasn't my... I was not living my authentic life. Sometimes I'd get close to it, but it was elusive and it always felt like a job. Like we started this, I said it was like a constant Easter egg hunt. And the, when we found them, we did the work that we did was brilliant and amazing and everything I'm saying about this, the neutralization, that worked. Yeah. Um, but when you can pull it back to a root cause, it's just, um, it makes space. Well, in case you didn't know, I'm a professional organizer and I walk into a lot of places that are floor to ceiling. It's floor to ceiling junk. Every drawer is full, every bother boxes and papers and things. And I've been in a lot of crazy situations and they don't scare me. I'm like, let's go. Let's clean it out. And um, my clients are always shocked at the things that are affected for the better that they had no idea were related to the clutter that they were living. Right. There's a peace and a calm that is, uh, there's a joy to come home. There's less conflict in relationships in the household. Naturally, boom. Because that, there's usually one person in the couple who <laughs> is a little more like, I want it pared down, you know, and someone who's a little sloppier about where things go. And all of a sudden it's easy to put things away. There's one place yeah. where it's go. There's one place where tape goes. There's room to walk without having to like turn your body this way and that way to get through the house. And that's what you do for for the mind, for the soul, for the brain, for the for the spirit. And um <clears throat> also I will say I did a couple different versions of EMDR therapy in my life. And you have to go in. You have to walk the mm -hmm. whole point of EMDRs, you walk back through it. And I want to be very clear that in the work that you do, that's not a part of it. You're digging in into it. The root cause is not a dark place to visit. You know, how is that possible? I don't know, but that's the truth. That's my experience. My experience with it is wandering over to figure out what these doodle doodles are. You ask questions, I answer them. And all of a sudden we're there and we're like, Hey, you want to come home and go and integrate and elevate? Sure. Let's go. Done. Yeah. Well, and I think the work that you do that is not other people and there's different kinds of shadow work. Right. And some yeah. of that can open up some demon buckets that nobody should really, it's Pandora's box, you know, and your work is, is so different than anything I've ever experienced and that I've ever heard, you know, it's very, um, unique and expansive. Just wanted to add that in there. Yeah. Thank you. It's, it's interesting because one of the big things that I love about this work is not having to re-traumatize it. So some of you guys might know, or not having to re-traumatize yourself. Some of you guys might know some of my pieces of my story, but one of my like big pieces of trauma that happened when I was four years old was I held the hand of my junkie friend who was a Vietnam vet while he overdosed and passed away. And I didn't, I, those memories came back to me little by little. And it was before I was doing this work and I was so desperate to remember what happened. I kept playing the flashes, you know, people talk about PTSD. It's like a you get the little flashes of it or a little thing like makes you jumpy or triggers you. But I would get the flashes and I would chase them down. I would play them over and over because I just really wanted to know what happened. That was so important. And here's the thing, you guys, it doesn't matter what happened. What matters is that we take care of it and neutralize the emotions because when the emotions are unprocessed 
And this is like a big thing about EMDR. One of the big things with EMDR is you're processing the emotions, you're processing the content of the event because it was too traumatic for your brain to completely process 100%. So this work that I do processes the um, process the, the memories and it keeps them out of your short-term memory and moves them into your long-term memory. I used this analogy recently, like when you have those like trauma or trigger points or those things that kind of set you off, it's like if you drop a piece of ice, if your trigger is a piece of ice and you drop it in a glass of water, it's right there. You can poke at it all day. It's easy right there. Short-term memories. The easiest thing is going to touch it. And when you process the emotions through, the ice melts. It's still there. You still have all your memories. You remember what you felt, all of the things. But it's not like you can push that button anymore. It's just dissolved into your long-term memory. So it neutralizes the effect and allows you to move through life with greater ease. It's like... It's like if you had somebody put like, oh, I know what a great analogy is. It's yeah. like, you know, when you see those movies, those thief movies, and they've got to get the, the jewel and they've got to get through all of the lasers. And so <clears throat> you're imagined when you finally get to the jewel and you're right there, you're standing there safe. It's like, okay, but to move through what we do every time we have these little, I mean, traumas, little big you know, anytime the emotions are overwhelmed, creates one of those laser beams. And so now anytime you want to go anywhere, you've got to like contort, try to bend around because your unconscious mind does not want to feel those feelings. Right. It's like does everything it can to avoid it. We're not stepping on the boat ever. <laughs> We're like boats over there. We got to cross like 18 laser beams to get there. Nope. Not yep. doing it. it. Yeah. Right here. Yep. <laughs> And we have no, it's like, you know, it's so easy to relate it to background uh, programs in a computer. Yeah. Right. Um, and this really is like, it's the kind of work that clears viruses and what's the other word? It's not a virus, but uh, uh, doesn't matter. Uh, tech thing. <laughs> um, but there's another thing. There's viruses and then there's, there's like little worm guys that like hang out and they only do certain, feed certain information out. Mm -hmm. Um but they slow everything down and they make right. it hard and they make it longer and they make it complicated. And sometimes it leaves you frustrated. Like I had a little bit of tech issues earlier and I was like, ah, ah, you know? <laughs> um, and that's what's going on in your brain all the time. And what that, for me, the symptomology of that was a constant running program. I'm a problem solver. I like to solve problems. It's how my brain works. And I was trying to solve actively all of the problems in the world, in my life, in my family, in my work, in my friends, in my city, in the world, at the same time, all the time. And people would be like, you need to let that go, or you need to calm down, or like, you know, whatever. People say things to you, like, all you have to do is like what you were saying earlier, right? Like when you see right, because they can see clearly. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah. but how yeah. do you how do you turn down that volume? How do you turn down the volume of when you don't even know it's loud volume? You know, when somebody like you're around somebody who's hearing is not so great, like an older family member or whatever, and they got the TV on like level 11 and you're like, I can't breathe. I can't even think with this volume as loud as it. How are you? But to them, it's like, well, I can barely hear it, you know? Right. And I, I feel like... Um, I don't feel, I will, I feel like there's not, I feel like I can't think of another process. I can't think of another process, at least that I've ever come across or tried. And the work that you've done by digging in so deep to your own stuff and seeing what worked and what didn't work, you've been able to, um, it was very, when I, cause we were talking about like, I did it and then I went away and then I came back. Right. So the the palpable difference in the work that we did more recently, right? This really like get to the root, right? Right. Um, having seen the front end of like the laser targeted version and it worked and it was good, but you took that principle and expanded it and deepened it. 
So the result was so much more expansive going back to the thing we talked about at the beginning of having a little bit more of like a shinier world with prettier clouds. And um, it was such a palpable difference from how it was. And I'm kind of glad, honestly, like I got to put my little toe in and like try it out and toe in. And I was like, I like this stuff. This is good stuff. I'm going to swim in this river for a minute. Um, and I saw the effect. I had a positive effect, uh, in ways that were, um, I'm still coming through it. Like, it's still like, wait, what? I think, on, you know, even on this chat, like the fishing boat thing, like I hadn't even thought yeah. about it. Like, let's go on the boat. I went on the boat, but normally I was battling past all the dun, dun, yeah. dun, 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 around the laser to get on the boat. And I don't have to do that anymore. And it just makes yeah. my life easier. It's so it's, I mean, that's why I do what I do. Somebody asked me like, why do you do what you do? Like going down the Simon Sinek like thing is like, find your why. Well, the why is to make lives easier because I know for me how much easier my life is. But I want to say, this has kind of struck me earlier. You talked about like, well, what worked in Colonial Heights didn't work here. So I had to do something different to there. And, and then it didn't work in New York. And probably didn't work when you were a little kid. So, but here's the thing. And this is the this is the key about the root cause. So if you needed to create a certain kind of behavior, the root cause of all of those things, those five different behaviors that you picked up in different places, the root cause is the same. Right. But when bef before we were targeting each behavior. So we have to go through five different processes to like clean it out. And then maybe we got and fixed the thing. But by being able to go back and thread through your life, mm -hmm. being like, well, what was the thing that was going on here when you were doing this? What was the thing about here and here and here? And so if we use that laser analogy, if there's a like, say all the lasers, the security lasers are red, <laughs> But right. the root cause lasers are green and they're going through like 10, 15, 20 of the red lasers. When you pull out that green one, it neutralizes the rest. And then you think about that, like, wow, you take out 15 of those laser lights and it's a lot easier to move around that room without oh setting off the alarms. Uh -huh. And then you you maybe pick another issue and you get to the root cause and then you knock out another 15, maybe even 20 of those red lasers. And then, wow. And then it becomes really clear what's left. Right. Like what, are, what are the things when something's not going right and you're doing something and you're like, oh, this is sticky, as you said. It's like that feels very strange because everything else has felt so fluid and free. Right. And by having less stuff in your closet, it's easier to know what you have. And then you know messes are easier to see. And it's and then oh. you have techniques and the tools to go and do this work yourself. Let's talk about that, right? Part of this yeah. whole process you do is to teach people help them get through the hard work, get to the root cars, causes, and give them the resources in order to continue the growth. And another right. thing I want to say and be very clear about, I know we're getting towards wrap up time here. One thing I want to be very clear about is this isn't something that I ended up with because of um, something that went wrong because I'm a unique individual. This is a human being issue. What, however they've manifested in your life, how you've coped with them, how you've handled them, what you're doing with them currently, that's individually unique and could make a you know beautiful picture or a map, right? That's yours to right. own. But everybody has these things. It's just yeah. part of the essence of growing up as a human on this earth. Um, and so I think it's, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like in, in, uh, you know, I've done the same thing you have and chased a lot of different solutions and tried a lot of different techniques and things. And sometimes people have been a little, um, finger pointy. Well, you, because you did this and you did that and you chose this and you, you grow up this way or you're acting this way. So you, 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 and it's a lot of like, you did it. You. All right. That's enough. Stop with the, you Stop erase with that. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
And that's not the truth. Right. The truth is, is that we all have a sticky bar. And until now in time, there haven't been this set of resources, which is unique to you because you've chased the work your way, right? Um, and it works in a, it works in a way that's inclusive and includes everyone. Yeah. Well, we, one of the things is, is we each have our own unique experience of the world. And in any given moment, we may have decided to choose and believe something and been stuck in this moment of emotional overwhelm. And it could be something so little. It does not have to be big trauma. I have I have clients of mine that say, I, I my parents were great. Nothing bad ever happened to me. But it's just these moments of overwhelm that spike and anchor into your neurology. And if the similar situation happens a bunch of times, that that like barrier, the like wall or the electric fence that you're stuck in in that place gets thicker. And, you know, some people, if you have like big trauma, like maybe that barrier to get through is will take a little bit longer. We'll take, you know, 20 minutes instead of five, whatever right. it is, but it still can be done and it still will set you free. And everybody's like, everybody has had an overwhelming emotional moment in their life. A lot yeah. of them happen when we're little and it's okay. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. And sometimes those behaviors continue to work. Whatever behavior it creates continue to work for you. And Works sometimes they don't. <laughs> well, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like you get to, you get as far as you can. And then sometimes it feels like they always talk about the glass ceiling. You hit the glass, glass ceiling. ceiling. Like, I don't know. I can't get any further. And yeah. it's usually, that's one of these things in your unconscious mind that's sort of preventing you some like trigger point that your unconscious mind is pivoting you really fast away from before you're even aware of it. Right. And I want to talk really quick before we wrap up as we, because we bend and contort to avoid these negative emotions, we unconsciously do it. Everybody does it. We create, we structure our life consciously and unconsciously to make it comfortable to make us feel safe to make it feel easy to and so as we've hit the last 18 months everybody's structure has gotten shaken up so a lot of these things these issues that we never even really thought we had because our unconscious mind That's is so good at protecting us has like created this way of life for us that has us avoiding these little trigger points. And a lot of that stuff has bubbled up and people are just, they're raw right now because those little structures that kept them safe away from hitting those red laser lights are, they're hitting them left and right. And so people are struggling. Some people are struggling. Some people yeah. are doing really great. Yeah, And I, I hope every single one of you that's listening right now, I hope you're one of the people that's doing really great. <laughs> well, and that's the, the trick of what we're talking about today is that regardless of whether you feel like you're in a struggle right now or you're coping okay or what, it doesn't matter where you are on the path. There's, um, there's an ease to the work that you do that regardless of where you're at, it's going to bring a, um, I don't know. I lost all the words. I had like a whole sentence that made sense in my head and as my mouth opened, I just can't recommend this enough, Jenea. And I want to thank you because, um, you know, that I was working hard to try to yeah. find answers and I was on YouTube and doing EMDR and I had a therapist and I was journaling and then I tried a coloring book and then I had this program and that thing. And, you know, and me and a lot of my girlfriends have done the same thing for a decade, uh, looking for yeah. a solution to neutralizing. Yeah. I didn't want to lose my spirit. I didn't want to, I don't, I refused medication a lot of different times. Doctors said, you should be drugged for that thing. And I was like, nope, <laughs> not doing it. I'm finding it another way. And, right. um, 
And I went pretty far on the spectrum. There were times people heard what was going on in my life. They're like, how are you functioning right now? I'm like, I don't know. We're just functioning. Let's keep going. Boom. Right. And I don't have to try to function anymore. And that's a big deal. But my case was extreme. But the overwhelming shift in things being easy for me and therefore letting me enjoy my life. Yeah. I enjoyed traveling through three different airports the other day. I was like, wait, ooh, tater tucks. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I had to wait in line 30 minutes in the Birmingham, Alabama airport for a person to come to the Delta counter at all. That's how small that right. airport is. I was like, at about minute 25, my eyes started to twitch. And I'm like, I'm getting mad. And then I started chatting with the lady in front of me and we had a great time. It was her first trip ever, like out of Maine and by herself. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. And we just got leaned in and then we were chit chatting before the plane and it was fine. It's just like it's Alabama and they were in a different, you know, wasn't LaGuardia, let's go, go, go. And that was okay. Right. And, and that's, I think the big thing is that things that used to really get under your skin in general, for me too, it's like, it's like, all right, well, okay. if this isn't working for me, if I have somewhere that I need to go, I'll just pivot and do something different. It's not yeah. a big deal. It doesn't make would, my emotions rise up. Yeah. And when your emotions are level and neutral, it's really easy to choose your choices I, to make decisions that create the exactly. kind of life that you want. I ended up in a hailstorm on the highway and had to slow the car down to like 35 miles an hour recently, right? And I was like, oh my God, I'm not gonna, when am I gonna get back to Brooklyn? This is gonna add like an hour or two. I don't even know math wise. Like, hey, could, that's the cat, sorry. Um, I was like, I couldn't even figure out how long it would take me to get back. By the way, I had nothing to do, mm -hmm. right? But the delay in the schedule of what I thought it was gonna happen. And so for one second, I went, oh my God, I'm gonna get there when I get there. And then I just, <laughs> and I was like, oh, you've always gotten there when you got there. Yeah, you can worry about it a lot more, but you're still gonna get and in this town. The train will come when the train comes. The Uber yeah. will show up when the Uber shows up. If it shows up, like it's gonna whatever. Like I spent a lot of time trying to manipulate time in my favor, and now I don't have to. And now when I do, this old pattern pops up because it's there, and uh, and then I just it mostly makes me laugh at this point. Yeah. It's that like, oh, I'm going to go back to contraction. Oh, wait, this is silly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's 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 do the thing that actually makes me feel good. Like turn on the radio and sing some tunes. Yeah. 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 Totally. Singing and dancing. Sit yeah. dancing. Oh, my God. This I'm dancing so much. <laughs> I don't schedule it. I just put on some music in the morning and I'm like, I'm going to go wash the dishes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a different well, life. thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much for sharing your experience, Caddy. And for those of you that are curious and would like to explore doing some one-on-one -on -one work with me, you can reach out to me on my website, jeneabarnes.com, G-E-N-E-A-B-A-R-N-E-S.com. You can DM me on Facebook, Instagram, um, TikTok. Oh. I'm on all the things, YouTube you know, all the things. <laughs> so feel free to reach out, even if you just have questions or you're struggling and you want some feedback on something, feel free to reach out. And that's all I got today. <laughs> Thank you so much. Girl. I'm so glad we got to do this today. Yeah, me too. It was been, uh, the, the big travel trip was a big wake up for me. I was like, why is everything so easy? What is happening? <laughs> Oh, and, and really quick, I want the people that are making it to the end to know that she did a whole week with her family. And yep. it was two families, a family I didn't even know. And, my family. Mm -hmm. and it was lovely and so much different. Fun. And I know yeah. for me, I spent six days with all of my family in a small place and I was only annoyed once. And that's <laughs> what this work does is like, it takes those trigger points out. It makes things, again, so much easier. All yes. right. Everybody, thank you so much for listening, for watching, whichever format you are exploring this in today. And we will see you next time. Thanks again, Caddy. Oh, thank you. Bye.
Bye, everyone. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Self-Sabotaging Sagas. If you enjoyed it, please take a moment, give it a rating, pass it along to your friends, follow it. These actions help other people find this podcast, and I, of course, greatly appreciate it. Thanks again, and have a beautiful day.